Hello everyone, we are forced once again by the Yotun to worship the ritual on Netflix. Luckily, it was able to bring us some special guests, all this and more for Horror Movie News! Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. Don't you blame the movies! Where the lights at? Where the lights at? Oh, I forgot I cut the drops with the beat. I forgot. I, <laughs> ah, I don't even know my own show, guys. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to Horror Movie News. We are on episode 19. Yay. Isn't that crazy? That's awesome. Just started last October. We've come so far. Welcome, everybody. I am your host, Anthony Becerra. I'm not just... I have plenty of hosts here, though. But I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Becerra. You can find me everywhere at... Not Tony B. That. Sorry, I changed that. Tony B. Tony underscore. Tony B. Tony underscore. I know. I know. <laughs> and Carrie. Hey, it's okay. You're allowed to change the name on yeah, your social course. media. It's your social media. Yeah, it's mine, guys. <laughs> and hey, how's it going? My name is Carrie Lane. You can find me online at Carrie D. Lane. That's K-A-R-I-D-L-A-N-E. Hey guys, I'm Oliver Jenin. Follow me on all social media platforms at Ollie Dreamer. Hey everyone, this is Chauncey K. Robinson, and you can find me on Twitter at Miss Chauncey KR. Right on, and with us we have special guests Woo! David Woo! Bruckner and Andrew Schulkind. Yes. David, Woo! can you tell everyone where they can find you on social media? Oh yeah, I'm on Twitter at Bruckmacca. Right on, and Andrew? I'm on all the networks. A Shulkin. Right on. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. Like, that's just funny. <laughs> this is my uh, inner producer, uh, my inner uh, engineer talking. Can you just get that mic close to your mouth? Right, right here. Thank you sure. so much. Yes. Right on. Yeah, you really gotta kiss the mic a bit. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So, uh, real quick, do some house cleaning. Where you can find us? So you can find us at YouTube.com/slash/PopcornTalkNetwork and join us live, or you can just watch it afterwards. Um, you can also follow us on our show Twitter at Horror News PTN, as well as on the Popcorn Talk Network website, popcorntalknetwork.com. And lastly, on Apple Podcasts, just type in Horror Movie News, find this little cute little picture of us, uh, and uh, that's us. And go ahead and leave a five-star rating and tell us everything uh, you like or dislike about the show. All feedback is welcome. And, you know, a five-star rating, and apparently the, the other stars just don't work. So don't even try mm-hmm. it. <laughs> You'll be cursed by the show. <laughs> right on. So on to our first segment. We have The Abyss. Pretty much what films have we been watching, and uh, preferably horror, horror. but uh, anyone want to kick us off? I was looking at everyone look at me? <laughs> I was like, whoa, wait. It's weird to look at Carrie, you know? I'm just like, how about our guests? Yeah. Yes, first off to bat, let's do it. What have you been watching? Uh, I just saw Annihilation. Yes. Yay, same. Incredibly badass. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a good week. I watched Annihilation. I watched... Uh, Phantom Thread, nice. uh, which I hadn't seen. I watched Get Out again. Yeah, I saw. I finally caught Black Panther. Ooh. I saw. Uh, yep, and I watched Mute. Yep. Oh, I've been wa- I've been wanting to watch uh, Mute. Yeah, I've been tracking that in my head lately. How did what did you think of it? Of Mute, uh, it's interesting. It's like a mixed up structure. I think. I think people have been a little hard on it personally. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm I, the idea of a sci-fi movie that's not a sci-fi movie that it's like a little bit of a slacker detective story in a sci-fi setting. I think is ambitious and cool. Right on. Yeah. Thank you so much. And um, so on to Andrew. What, what do you got? Uh, what have I been watching? I have children, so I oh. saw Black Panther. And that was a huge success. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Glad to finally support that movie. And uh, and I just finished Dark, which is uh, oh good, yeah. One of my favorites. I mean, yeah, Brad. Yes. Right on. Yeah, I've been meaning to catch that as well. But oh, it's I, a do not miss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I, I have a child too. It's called AfterBuzz, pretty much. <laughs> Keeps me busy, really. <laughs> yeah, full time. So like, yeah. well, weekends is when I really just try to cram everything in. There you go. Um, uh, anyone else want to kick us off? Well, I'll jump off of that. I also have finished Dark. I, I agree. Excellent series. Can't wait for the next season. Um, I was on vacation, so I couldn't go to the theaters much, but I watched Dark Tower, Ooh. finally. Oh, uh, right. I liked it. I thought it was fun. I think some people are kind of mint about it, but I enjoyed it. Um, I started Elias Grace on Netflix. Uh, I mean, that's kind of horror-esque because it's a murder mystery, kind of. Uh, it's a... Based on true, I'm like, wait, I had it on IMDb. If you guys don't know about it, it's Margaret At- Atwood who also did um, Handmaid's Tale. So 19th century Canada, a psychiatrist weighs whether a murderess should be pardoned due to insanity. Ooh. So it's actually, I am enjoying it. I want to see where it goes, though. Uh, and then I'm watching the anime Kakegurui, and there'll be an after show on that. I'll talk more about that later. It's so bizarre and weird. I love it because <laughs> it's just so crazy. And it's actually it's, really scary. It is very it's, scary. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And really, violence. And I get really it, creeped yes. out by the fan service <laughs> and the facial expressions, but yes. I'm here for Those it. Those faces are like <laughs> intense. Oof. But yeah. Uh, well, I, I think we all saw Annihilation, which was I didn't amazing. See it, oh, you no. didn't see it? Oh, I haven't seen oh, Black Panther on... yet either. Well, here are the spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. So, so spoilers this person this person? Yeah. <laughs> well, Natalie Portman is just freaking phenomenal, along with the entire female ensemble, Tessa Thompson. Oh, I love Tessa Thompson, uh, but definitely recommend it. I will not spoil it. There's some really beautiful <laughs> scenes, and it's yeah. also, it's beautiful, but it's, like, scary at the same time, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I totally recommend that. And I've also watched Southbound. Um, oh, yes! And I guess okay. we can talk about that more later, but I got really excited because there's also, there's a scene in Southbound, I was talking about you before the show, uh, with an ice cream parlor in a little town called 29 Palms, which is where I'm from. I was, I was born in 29 <laughs> Palms, so that was really, like, I got so excited. I was watching Southbound by myself. And I was like, oh my god, I like gasped when I saw like this the scene of this ice cream parlor that's called Foster Freeze. It's amazing, soft serve. Oh yes. Oh Foster Freeze. <laughs> but um yeah, so that was about it for me. And I'm also watching the anime. I can't say it, Kaka. I don't know. What about you, Chelsea? Um, well, I saw Annihilation and I really enjoyed it. I had some sort of existential crisis throughout. Oh, really? I do that a lot, but especially with this movie. And can I ask like what about it triggered it or um there was just a lot in terms of like I mean without getting too much into the spoilers but mm-hmm. like the whole idea of the fall in our you know molecular like cells and mm. then the question of you know that hashtag that they've been going on with it of what's inside and if oh. you watch the movie you know there's a well I think there's a double meaning of that of mm. what's okay. inside versus what's inside the shimmer which is this thing that basically comes from the lighthouse so there was a lot of that and there's the question of nature and it's to me I just found it super scary because you know for me I don't usually find sci-fi scary at all I usually like ghost stories or things like that because sci-fi I don't really I, it's a, a whole thing about the person in the year 3000. Oh, there's a tentacle monster in 3000. I don't care. I'm not in 3000, right? So it doesn't <laughs> involve me. But in the terms of this, 
the fact that it could happen, the question of nature and something yeah. and how to that just that creeps me out. Mm-hmm. So I think nature's pretty scary. So Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean yeah. just look at like natural disasters. Like, yeah, they're yeah. terrifying. And um the other movie I, I watch I watch a lot of vintage horror. So another mm. movie I was uh checking out was the Hollywood uh Phantom, which is on Warner and which is um released through Warner Archives on their D V D collection and it deals with um them pretty much uh, getting rid of this old movie studio and that there's a phantom on oh. the movie studio and he's killing people. So it's a little play. Awesome. <laughs> and you get to see a lot of old clips of old Hollywood, which is really cool between the killings. Damn, it almost sounds so nice. lame, but that reminds me of a Phantom of the Megaplex. <laughs> <laughs> on the they probably, had very, they probably yeah. thought the same thing. It came out in the 1970s. It was very cheesy. Yeah, but. it's a, it's a Disney, Disney Channel original movie called Phantom of the Megaplex. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, right on. So I'm up now. So, yeah, so I saw The Signal, which I thought I really enjoyed. I got to say, you did the, uh, I believe it was a Crazy Love. Yeah. Crazy yeah. in Love. Transmission yeah, 1, uh-huh. Crazy in Love. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, man, it was fantastic. I really enjoyed that film. Um, I love how, like, the separate transmission focused on different points of views of, like, the characters that were um, involved. Like, the first one, Crazy in Love, is made, like, the, the female character. And the middle is, like, the, they call it the jealousy monster. So it's, like, the, uh, it's a boyfriend who's going after the, 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 uh, the woman. And then it's the, uh, I guess, the woman's, uh, uh, like side piece, I guess. Yeah, you could yeah, say. her lover. Yeah, yeah, her lover, and uh, that's that's how it ends <laughs> and everything. And I love how it's like it has like um, cer- like the the humor in the third and the second act was was pretty great. But yours was uh, I felt like uh, the first short was very like sincere, like very um, like how she's walking with her headphones home, and there's or like she's walking through the halls and all those bodies on the ground, and she has her headphones on. I, th- I just thought it was so beautiful. I thought it was so cool. Um, I also saw Annihilation, which I thought was really great. I really enjoyed it. Natalie Portman kills it. That one scene, you see, it's in the trailers, I can say. That one scene where she's just, like, holding up the gun and just shooting, and then her face is just, like, just, like, ah, just so killer instinct. Like, mmm. I was like, (laughs) that stuck with me. I was like, oh. (laughs) And then I feel like the ending is so, so... Well, they Great. actually wanted to change the ending. Yeah, really? there was a whole thing around it. I'm glad they didn't. Yeah, I was about I to say it no. It's it was so didn't. cerebral, like and so like stimulating, and like that little dance that she has with that. Ah, oh, it's just so good. <laughs> Carrie's like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> it, it reminded me of this movie. I yeah. did hear about that part though. Yeah, like wanted to change the ending, but luckily the director had control over it, so they're yeah. like, nope. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, Alex Garland. Um, that was uh, you know one of the things, and the question of Natalie Portman's character too. I know we're all saying like the badass woman and things like that. There was a question mm-hmm. of whether or not she was sympathetic enough, and I think it was really good that they made it so they kept her the way she was because she was a flawed character, and usually mm-hmm. women don't get to be flawed characters right. in film. It's always the guy. Of he's a brooding man with his man pain and things of that nature mm-hmm. but <laughs> man pain yes it's a thing yeah so, but it's nice that she got to have her pain in this yeah. film that was I thought mm. the interpersonal mm. with the science was awesome yeah. So. yeah you learn that from the entire cast too the other characters as well they're all like uh, treasure they're uh, kind of flaw of treasure yeah they, they all they mention that in the film yeah and their so lives don't start exactly just when the movie starts it starts mm-hmm. before oh right that's plot, right right yeah I remember that um, yeah, and also, like, 
the especially like the third act i, I got like really like uh 2001 a space odyssey vibes from mm. it how it's so like mesmerizing and how she's like looking into that certain thing i won't say what but like because i can't <laughs> even explain it to be honest with you but i thought that was like really cool and that leads me to i actually ended up watching over the weekend 2001 a space odyssey yeah. again yeah um i'm 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 th- i'm like lucky enough to live somewhere where there, we have like a home theater so I've never seen 2001 Space Odyssey on, like, a big screen before. So that was, like, the biggest I've seen it. And my God. And it's on Blu-ray, too. And it just, it still holds up today. This was, like, 1968, I believe. And it's still, like, the effects just look marvelous. Like, you, you, they still puzzle me. Like, as in, like, how do they do that? Like, and I, can, and I can't figure it out unless I go back and read my book on it. Because I was, like, obsessed with that movie for a bit. But, yeah, I saw that movie. Uh, it was fantastic. I also shared it with the roommates. Um, and they also loved it. It was great. I gotta say, it's definitely, like, I feel like it's meant for, like, an acid trip. Like, this, <laughs> like this movie. Yeah, this, uh, yeah, it's okay. like the 2001 Space Odyssey is ridiculous. Like, it's just, it's so, like, stimulating, and I love it. I don't know if you guys, have you guys seen that, right? Oh, yeah. It's been a minute, though. Yeah. But I do remember it holding up. I do remember being pretty blown away the last time I saw it with just, like, the function of the spaceship, especially, like, mm-hmm. the jogging scene where he's moving through it as it's oh, rotating. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I don't... The end of it is a bit of a blur to me. I probably owe it another watch. Yeah, the ending always gets a little... It's when he's, like, going through the infinite, and also he ends up at the, in this, like, room, and he sees himself in different times. Oh, anyways, that was good. All right, on to our next segment. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, can't, I don't want to get into that. The Crypt. So pretty much what's, what film you would like to uh, share and recommend to everyone who would like to start it off? Hmm, I'll go then. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty then. So mine is The Void. It came out in 2016. It was directed and written by Jeremy uh, Gilsby and Stephen uh, Kostansky. And the synopsis goes, Shortly after delivering a patient to an understaffed hospital, a police officer experiences strange and violent occurrences seemingly linked to a group of mysterious hooded figures. And those hooded figures seem to be like some sort of cult, some sort of cult, uh, like a part of cult, and there's definitely some sort of like weird occult at play in the film. Um, I really liked it because of like how mysterious it is and how... Um, they don't really give up, give away too much about like the origins of why things are happening, which I I, I enjoyed that. I was like, oh, I was okay. I wanted to know, but at the same time, it adds to like the, uh, like the uh, the charm of the movie, you know. Um, and um, there's also it's it's oh yeah, it's also very H.P. Uh, Lovecraftian. Like I I thought it was really cool. I love uh, Lovecraft and everything associated with that. That's why I love the thing too much, and not uh, uh, not too much, a lot, a lot, <laughs> and. Um, it's uh, the monsters in there's actually monsters in the void and um, they're all mainly like practical effects. So it's, it's just like kind of like a throwback to like the 80s horror of like how everything there's very little uh, uh, CGI in the film. And I really I could appreciate it for that because one of my favorite films is uh, The Thing. So I was just like, oh, this is so cool. So if you like The Thing, definitely check out The Void. Um, I believe it's still on Netflix. Um, that's where I saw it and uh, definitely worth a watch. And that's my uh, that's my crypt selection. Carrie? Sure, yeah. Um, no, uh, mine, I was thinking about it, and uh, throwback, and I know you were first. I did mention Southbound as one of my Ooh. ones from before. Um, but a new one to uh, I have is Existence. Mm-hmm. Have you guys seen that one? Yeah, I've seen that. Uh, it is from 1999. It is with Jude Law. It is, yeah, David and, Cronenberg. Uh, yep, David Cronenberg. Bobby and Young. I was like, how do you explain this movie? But I like this one. A game designer on the run from assassins must play her latest virtual reality creation mm. with a marketing trainee to determine if the game has been damaged. It's so wonderfully bizarre. Um, it really talks about video games in terms of like what's real or not. And it's not like a regular 
game. The game thing itself is like almost kind of sexual. Like they're touching it in weird ways. It's like a blob thing that like you move part. It's just really weird. And then it connects to your back too. Yeah, you plug into your body. Yeah, you have to have like a like an like a. an implant in the yeah. in the lower back of you, yeah. And it's just so, yeah. So there's some I like sort it. of like you know, weird. Oh, it's <laughs> like going looking on. up some pictures. Thank you. Uh, and then I was like, what was the lady's name? Yeah, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, who also came out in Annihilation as Ventress. Ah, yeah, very cool. Nice. Yeah, it's it's listed as like sci-fi and horror, and yeah, it's just one of those. It's good action and sci-fi horror, and if you like video games, and but taking them to a different kind of space. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. And weird. And then, yeah, okay, this picture, kind of a spoiler-ish, oh, but still, oh there's a gun in it, and they can't have, like, they need to get essentially through a metal detector kind of thing, so they make a gun out of literally organic material, as Fish in bones. skin yeah. and stuff, and the bullets are teeth. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you remember that. Like, I've talked to the other people, and they're like, yeah, the teeth gun thing. I'm like, because mm-hmm. it's just so weird. Interesting. But it's very cool. It's a very cool movie. Hmm. Yeah, and David Cronenberg is, like, known for his, like, body horror. So there's a lot of that going on. And, like, it's, like his 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 little, like, artistic style of, like, yeah. creating these practical, like, uh, props that he does. Like, the gun. And awesome. also how, like, it goes yeah. in the back of his, like, that oh, thing connects so, like, to his back. Yeah. And it's, it's just all, another thing too. I think it's a really cool look at like what's real and what's not too. Of like what world are you in, which is very fun to mm-hmm. pay attention That's to. Nice. You're like, wait, where are we now? <laughs> okay, okay. Well, mine's kind of like uh, I rewatched it this weekend, and I was like, at first I didn't really like this movie, but then rewatching it, um, I was like, huh, I actually really enjoyed this. It's uh, Blair Witch 2016 by Adam Wingard. A lot of people, I know it's a controversial pick. A lot of people didn't like it. I don't know. Have you guys seen the remake? Not the remake, because it's basically the third installment of the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, But at first, I didn't like it, like I said. But rewatching, I'm like, this is kind of fun. Like, they, they pull in, like, the uh, little drone. Um, but I'm also interested in what do you, what did you guys, our talented filmmakers here, what did you guys think? Have you seen The Blair Witch by Yeah, him? yeah. Have you seen it? You haven't seen yeah, it? Not the new one. Uh, well, I know, I know Adam and Simon from, because we all worked on VHS together. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, and yeah. then they went on to do VHS 2, which is really kick-ass. Mm-hmm. So there was a uh, conversation for a while about found footage and how to do it and uh, how to riff on that for a second. So for me, watching Blair Witch was like, I felt like, and this is definitely me putting this on what they did, it was that, you know, they kind of remixed everything we learned in all these short bites, you know, through, mm-hmm. uh, you know, through the VHS movies. It was like the, bra- the greatest compilation of all the coolest aesthetic sort of ways to spend found footage. So by the mm-hmm. end of that, where you've got this uh, really deep dive on sound, like the sound design is really incredible and it's hitting you from all sides, and you've got this really incredible immersive experience. I don't want to give away too much, but the mm-hmm. way they engineer the set piece and the the mechanic at the end of the thing you can or can't look at, I thought was like utterly fantastic. So I think that stuff, uh, I think the execution of it is super mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, because yeah. it's gotten like a lot of mixed reviews, not not as many good reviews, but I enjoyed it. I think it's like worth a watch for sure, definitely. And Adam Wingard, I love him in uh, directing your next. It's such a good film. Mm-hmm. So I haven't seen that. I need to catch no? that. Your yeah. next is oh really gosh, good. Yeah, I've heard so about good. it. It's it's on Netflix, right? Huh? I'm pretty so. sure it's on Netflix. Is it on yeah, Netflix? that's where I lived on for a while. Hmm. Yeah, because also with like the invitation, like I don't know, I grouped them all together, like the net. Um, the, the invitation and also your next and also mm-hmm. um, what's it called? 
there was one I saw recently, which was, it wasn't your next. It was, um, oh, they look like people, kind of like that same kind of circuit mm-hmm. on, on Netflix. But yeah, okay. that's, a, that's a good pick. I still haven't seen uh, the Blair oh, Witch one. The reason why I rewatched it, too, is because I heard that they're developing like a TV series for Blair Witch. Really? really? Yeah. I did not know Yeah, because like, there was, there was not... What would you do as why? a TV series? I don't know. Yeah, because I, was, I, re-wa- I rewatched it because <laughs> it, yeah. it ties into the theme of the ritual, because Lost in the Woods. But also, yeah. I, was, I was reading um, that they were just recently, like two days ago, they announced that they're Lionsgate huh. was... Yeah. Fresh oh. house play now. Blair Witch. Oh, Child's yeah. Play too? Yeah, oh. they're trying to do a series for Child's Play. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see on that one. All right, Chauncey? Um, well, I'm going to be, I guess, a little bit more mainstream because it's sure. um, it was the 30th year anniversary. I went to the 30th cool. year anniversary of Screen, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, um, cool. Dream, The Dream Master. But also oh. this week, it was the 31st anniversary of when the Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 Dream Warriors were was put out. So I would recommend both of those because that was what got me on the horror stint. And I just love Freddy Krueger. He's kind of like my Valentine, most, <laughs> which probably shows I have issues with everything. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's a really good... It, one of the things that I got to see at the 30th year anniversary screening that was hosted by Scream Fest LA, mm-hmm. uh, Rennie Harlan, who was the director of that, was there, and Bob Shea, the co-founder and producer of New Line Cinema. Um, and one of the great things they were talking about, it really shows the power of like kind of the director in that sense, because what they, he, to- he tells the story, and I had heard about it you know with the um, never sleep again documentary was that it was during the time of the writer's strike that this movie was being Mm. made so they had no like they hardly had a script and basically they just got together and um, kind of put the script together and you kind of see that in the film that it's very visual what's happening and um it was just really great film it was it was a little bit a little bit lighter on plot than the third one was but in terms of uh, just the visuals, and mm-hmm. you had to imagine like it was like nineteen eighty like nineteen eighty eight when it came out. So everyone was just like, "Oh my gosh, what is this?" And like now we've seen everything, but uh-huh. certain ways and angles he was doing it, and with the whole uh, the the soul, the piece of souls, you know, like with the meatballs of the dead kids and stuff was Mm. just, and Freddy's eating them was just like some of the best things ever. And the Roach Motel, some of the, like, really, to me, like, really awesome scenes. So, I recommend, like, revisiting that for the anniversary. So Right on. Great recommendations. Yeah, I have to go, I have to go uh, stroll down Elm Street myself. Yeah, just don't watch part two. Part two? Yeah. That's what I was like, I gotta watch part two. <laughs> no, you can watch part two. Ones. Part two was good. No, I mean, comparatively speaking, Lesser I mean, part ones. two was better than, like, a lot of other movies I've seen. But mm. in terms of, like, all the series, it's probably the least mm. yeah. good one. And I'm also weird. a sucker for, like, practical effects. So it's, and yeah. they're all about that. So, like, I'm so down for that. Um, alrighty, then. Alright, <laughs> so let's start with Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so the crypt. I mean, first of all, I, I got to do a little plug for the vault, hmm. which is a movie I did with a friend that that uh, Dave introduced me to, Dan Bush, Dan Bush. Uh, nice. which was came, just came out on Netflix, also. Yeah, uh, which was a fun movie. Super scary, I think. Creepy stuff happens at a bank, and it turns out it's a bank heist. And I don't give oh, away, yeah. Okay. I was like, wait, I have heard of this yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank James you. Franco is in it. James yeah. Franco's in it. Yeah, it was a fun one. Um, and then also, I recently watched The Others, which is kind of one of my favorite, oh, yeah. Yeah. favorite Spanish horror. Super mm. fun movie. It's just like... Actually, it's funny we're talking about it now because it kind of reminds me of the kind of movies that Dave makes. Because they're sort of like... They're, it's, it's as opposed to a horror that falls into a 
to a trope or to a kind of like even to a classic concept it feels like something like a modern version of what horror looks like because mm-hmm. 2006 or something i don't know what year it was but um the way that it feels like it's a movie and then it's also it's a horror movie but it's not a horror movie first it's just sort of like a, a really interesting character drama that has sort of thriller and suspense and all that interesting stuff but then it's also super scary mm-hmm. also i saw a lot <laughs> I, I've never seen the others, and it's only because someone spoiled the end of it. Oh, really? And it's it's one of those movies where the end is essential, and so it's like every time you sit down to watch a movie, you're like, "Well, I know where that's working," you know. So, just such a bummer because I've heard it, that it's great, but yeah. But I watch. I mean, I you know what happens at Sixth Sense? I go and watch that. Again. Yeah, I was just thinking. Yeah. That. I, I, but, I, but I've seen it again. I'm like, I still enjoy it. I don't know if it's as densely like as oh, richly yeah. woven. Yeah. Sorry, I was like looking up the picture. I'm like, yep, that one. That was N- well, Nicole Kidman, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was, and a, I didn't that know was Spanish. a good way to do oh. yeah. horror. That's, yeah. Um, so it was so creepy. Woods. Usually, so woods. we looked at that movie actually for some smoky stuff. Oh, okay. we didn't do anything that dense. Our woods were way more dense, but. Mm. Yeah, the way I chalk up to like a movie that's kind of already been sort of spoiled for me, like I just try to enjoy the ride too, mm-hmm. yeah. to the point to where like oh, okay, <laughs> so, you know, right. yeah. Um, but yeah, that sucks. That it was spoiled for you. But what's, what's your what's your? Uh, I'm trying to think here, and I've, I'm 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 uh, I'm going back and forth, so I'm just going to throw out two. Okay, perfect. Two 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 that people maybe haven't seen. Uh, one is a movie that I discovered with my roommate uh, uh, from the early '90s. This was something that we watched in college a lot, and I didn't have a lot of context for it. But uh, it was an Italian horror movie called uh, Cemetery Man. Ooh, yes. starring Rupert Everett, and it's so. completely bug nuts and surreal <laughs> yeah. and fantastic. And it deals with the caretaker of a cemetery who mm-hmm. is perhaps slowly losing his mind as the dead are coming back uh, from the grave. But it also deals with uh, a lot of his personal issues. Uh, it's very existential. It's very surrealist. And there's an interesting thing with it where the the interpersonal human problems are really dealt with with yeah. a dramatic melodramatic hand. But the violence is not. So the violence is so happenstance in the way that it's realized, and it has a very curious effect. But uh, if you like giallo, if you like uh, you know Italian horror cinema, and mm-hmm. if you want to get really weird with the movie, I mean, I think at the time we laughed with it quite a bit. But yeah. I, haven't, I haven't seen it in probably uh, probably ten years, ten or fifteen years. So I don't know. I don't know how it, you know how I would regard it now. But it's kind of a landmark for. Misbehaving in the medium for me a bit, and um, and the other one I would throw out uh, that I've seen in the last few years is the 1981 uh, Zolowski's Possession. Oh Sam my Neal, god! Yeah. Which is just like <laughs> completely out of control, yeah. and uh, and and I mean I don't want to say anything else about it. Some people don't consider it a horror film. Um, I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say yeah, that's that's one of those movies that like really gets just thinking about it makes me happy. <laughs> I think I think that has to be we have to classify that as horror or uh, you know or regard it in in the horror lexicon in a sense. But there's just there's just so many fascinating things they do with that movie and the performance styles are like ratcheted up through mm-hmm. the roof. So you've got actors doing really interesting representative stuff to get these points across and the way it interacts with the camera it's just a joy to watch and probably depending on your tastes you may hate it or you may love it or you may not know how you feel about it but i can't i can't recommend it enough yeah and the, the thing that always sticks with me too is um the ending shot where like you see like sam's neil's kind of like shadow behind a door oh, i just i just love that shot it's it's it's, it's like ingrained in my head forever because it's just so to me, it's so like monumentous. Like it's just like ah, oh, that's 
Like, I don't even know what to make of it either at the end, but I'm just like, I just love it, though. I just, just love if, seeing it. <laughs> if you're watching it and you don't know what to do, just stick it out through the subway scene. And, oh. then, you, and then decide. Yeah. That's all I'll say. About she it. goes ham on it. She goes, like, a thousand... Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, that's one, actually one of the yeah, earliest films I yeah. recommended myself. Yeah. Um, I was able to I was able to watch that one at the the Egyptian, so I have been able to see it on the big screen, and it was such a pleasure to watch that too. And they had like a thirty five millimeter uh, print of it, and uh, yeah, great recommendation. It's just so fun when a filmmaker will sometimes take an idea like way too far. You know, <laughs> it's like it's like the way Mike Myers used to treat a joke, mm. where like you laugh and then they keep going keep with the joke, you stop laughing and then you laugh again. You know, or it's like. Uh, like Michael Haneke has this movie. Um, it's titled, it's the most pretentious title ever, but he gets to do that. I think it's like it's called uh, Seventy One Fragments of a Chronology of Chance." Huh. And there's a like an eight minute scene of a guy playing ping pong with himself, you know, and just like <laughs> off the wall, and he's incredible, and he's just like on a run with this ball, and you know, at like a minute, you're like, "Oh wow, this is cool. I get it. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting something off of it." And then at like four minutes, you're like, "Okay, I got it." And then at like seven minutes, you're like, this is brilliant. You've just come full <laughs> circle around it. And you're seeing your life. You're seeing other people's. Like, all struggle is contained in this moment. And it's a total trip. But, like, there's several of things of that of that sort, I would say, in the Possession huh. movie. Where they just take an idea farther than it should go. Oh, okay. And uh, that's just part of what I get out of it. But, yeah. Nice. That's nice. Yeah. That's interesting, too. Because um, I went to this, like, weird hiking thing. Uh, like a, It was, like, a sort of, like, workshop of, like, creativity and also positivity. And one of the things was that, like, um, when you when you brainstorm, like, the first three ideas aren't going to be great. But, like, when you keep going at it, like, it's maybe the 20th or maybe even, like, the, the 30th idea you get is going to be so, like, much better than your original ideas. So kind of like how you said um, they take it too far. Like, your first ideas of what you're seeing is like, oh, okay, like, that's cool. And then, but late, as it keeps drawing on, you're like, you're, you're, I guess your ideas become more, like, profound and more complex. Like, like, the more you experience the same thing going on. So I was just like, oh, that's interesting. I like that. Um, yeah, it's always good when a movie confuses you, oh. or just throws you off, like you know. Yeah, because then you're just like, what did I? You're just like a deer caught in the headlights. You're yeah. like, well, how do I react to this? Start wondering <laughs> about your life, and- <laughs> <laughs> like annihilation. Fill in the gaps. Yeah. All right, on. So that takes care of our two segments, and now let's just get into our our guests here. So before we could jump uh, straight into the ritual, I have a, a general overview of uh, some of your work. So starting with uh, David Bruckner. Um, I'm not sure why I said your full name, but yeah. <laughs> so you directed and also wrote uh, The Transmission 1, Crazy in Love for the Signal. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, so would you like to tell us a little bit about your experience working on that one? That was born out of a creative tribe in Atlanta about Ooh. 10 years ago. And we were all doing a lot of theater at the time. And... Uh, I'm going to give the, the super short version on it. I'll just say that it was like a very, uh, we had a, a, a program in connection with this theater that we were working at where we would just make short films and kind of screen them at the theater space. And we just throw yes. challenges out of the community. Like, everybody oh, go cool. tell the story of this picture or go to Piedmont Park with a camera guerrilla style and shoot something, you know, with three actors and steal a movie and bring it back and we'll screen it. And, um, and we had a small but devoted audience of people that would kind of look at this stuff and watch it. And it was in that context that I started an exquisite corpse project with, with another writer where we just went and shot 20 minutes of a feature film and handed it to another director. And we were like, go. 
Oh. And uh, Dan Bush, actually. And then Dan went away for nine months, and he came back and uh, with the same actors and everything. He's like, I put 40 more minutes on this movie. <laughs> and he lost his mind with it. And, uh, and then he gave it to a third director, and the third director looked at it, uh, Jacob Gentry, and he was like, this is great. It's a total mess. Uh, but you guys have stumbled on some neat ideas. Like, mm-hmm. what if instead of just going on forever, we start over and we call it feature film? So um, him and Alex Motlock, his producing partner, kind of proposed that to us. And we went out and shot this little apocalyptic sci-fi satire indie horror movie for uh, 50k uh, over the course of 13 days and, and that's what the signal is but it's a weird 13 days Rashomon like if you're familiar with that reference uh, multi-perspective triptych and uh, it's kind of a, a, a little experiment in genre filmmaking but we are very proud of it and and the concepts and the ideas in it for us I think hold up you know many mm-hmm. years I mean it was kind of I think 07, we were really interested in media fragmentation and uh, the, the rise of talk news and um, uh, 24-hour talk news. And uh, uh, I think all the things we were responding to there have only become more of a, more like, of a, a constant media divisive onslaught these days. So it's, it still feels relevant. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, TV makes people crazy, pretty much. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much the conceit of the movie, <laughs> yeah. if I missed that part, yeah. Nice. Yeah, the TV drives you crazy. And then, uh, so jump forward to 2012, and VHS is released. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you did Amateur Night. Yes. Which, personally, is I was like, going to say, it was one of my favorites. I was about to say, it's yeah. one of my, like, once Not I... Not just saying that, but for real. Yeah. Yes. Because like, I saw favorite. VHS, I was like, what is this? And we'll, we go, and the first one, they pop in the first, like, tape, you know? Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, cool. And then once she starts seeing like the girl come out, she's like, oh, the stairs. My the I had to look God. up what Amateur Night One. I'm like, like which you. one was that one? I'm like, oh yeah, that one. I like you. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. was was so creepy. Was, was that the first tape? I forget. I yeah, that was, it was the, the first, first one. Tape. So that was yeah. a really good one to. I feel like it's it not, started not, off well. Set, exactly. Yeah. Like, no, it hooked me. When you, yeah. When you think of VHS, you think of that. You think of Amateur Night. Like mm-hmm. that's that, that's the one. Not only because it started off first, but it just was so like it just stuck with you. And, like, it was also developed into a film, wasn't it? Or right. like, yeah. The Siren? Yep. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. wrote it? You wrote no, it? No, I, uh, so these guys, uh, Ben Collins and Luke Petrowski wrote it. I, I developed it okay. with them. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and then Greg Bishop went on to direct it. Okay. And it's pretty rad. Yeah. Uh, I want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> where can you? It's a little. You... It's a little different. Actually, I don't know where you can get it right now. Uh, it was. Uh, it was produced for Chiller Network, and uh, I think oh, I'm okay. pretty sure it's on iTunes or something like that. But oh. it's a little bit different. You know, the short is really lean and mean, and and uh, pretty rough on you know the masculine behavior in it. It's it's sort mm-hmm. of a toxic little experience. And I think uh, the feature, you got to spend more time with these characters. And so mm. it, it, it had to be, we just had to treat the material differently in a sense. But I thought mm-hmm. the writers did a really great job of sort of handling the, the uneasy ideas that were at hand, but also making a really interesting, fun, scary movie out of it. There's a little bit more magic to it. It's a little bit, so it's, it's almost like the short meets Nightbreed in a way. Ooh. It's kind of a reference point, you know. Yeah. That's a good one. That's, that'd be a good one to come back I was gonna call. I was going to throw that out there, but I thought it'd be too esoteric. Nightbreed? No way. <laughs> they had their special, like, Cabal edition screening at the Egyptian Theater, like, a few years ago or something. I think I remember seeing that. That was pretty awesome. So and then, after that one, uh, this is actually one that you both uh, worked on, mm-hmm. and you guys did uh, Southbound in 2015 with The Accident. Right? Yes. That was a short... I was un- unable to, uh, to to catch this in time, but I believe uh, Ali saw it as well. Yeah. I um, love Southbound. Yeah. Oh, you've seen it as I've well? I've seen Southbound. I saw it at a... It's, what, do you remember what film festival it screened at in L.A.? I in felt L.A.? It, it was at AFI. Okay. Uh, I know I saw it at a film festival in L.A., and it was... Loved it. 
Right. One of the few mm-hmm. horror movies where I don't normally get scared of horror movies, but I don't remember what it was exactly. But there were parts that were actually scary. Um, the Home Invasion, I don't normally like oh, Home Invasion yeah. plot lines, and that one was really good. And yeah. it was one of the better anthology horror films where mm-hmm. stories tie together and it doesn't yeah. feel like clunky. Like it transitions yeah. very well from story to story, and, and it's very interesting. Yeah. Some of the stories like actually like kind of mirror one another. Yeah. It's really fascinating. And I, I have a question for you guys because um, I was talking to An- to Andrew uh, about how like I had this emotional response to one of the scenes, and I'm wor- wondering if you guys had any kind of like growing up, uh, what really inspired you? Like, is there like a shot that's been like you've seen in a film that really inspired you, and kind of like oh, because my inspiration and my response to Southbound was seeing that ice cream parlor and I was like oh my gosh and it really inspired me I'm like oh my gosh you know this is where because I was I'm from 29 Palms that's where it was shot or at least for that short and so yeah I know I'm rambling (laughs) but uh it was really cool I'm thinking wow 29 Palms like desert horror like that is a genre so I was wondering if you guys had any shots and films that really inspired you (laughs) does a a single frame stand out (laughs) so when I was like five I had a uh I had a babysitter, and I really wanted to stay up late. Maybe I'm six. I really wanted to stay up late. And this is uh, going deep here. (laughs) (laughs) Too early in the hour. And um, I really want to stay up late. She's like, all right, you want to stay up late? You're watching Poltergeist. (laughs) And I was like, uh, like, fine. And it, like, totally just the idea of, like, the, the screen with snow on it and sitting in front of that screen, it just, it, like, not only did it turn something on in me, but it, like it turned me on to the idea of horror, and and I don't know if it's horror necessarily because I consider myself like a fan of movies overall, mm-hmm. and horror is a piece of that. But I'm not a horror super fan, as some people are. But I think that there's something about that that was just like this turned me on, and it was something about the how visceral horror movies are, like how mm-hmm. it grabs you in a way mm-hmm. that you know this is us or whatever other mm-hmm. kind of like pick your more generic movies, you know piece of entertainment works. And so, and that, and also the fact that I can see scary movies super late and still go to sleep. Ooh. Mm. That was, that was the... (laughs) No, I just want to riff on that, because I actually had a, like, poltergeist moment when I was, I was at my grandmother's house, and poltergeist came on the TV, and, uh, and I asked her what it was, and she said, it's a scary movie, and then left me alone with it. (laughs) And, uh, and I had, like, that movie really did a number on me. Like, I had problems because of that movie. I just was too young, it was way too scary, and I had, oh, I don't know, I had to be, um... It's very abstract, but I want to say seven, six or seven. What if we Maybe saw it's the a. Same broadcast? <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Connected nice. through space and time. <laughs> totally, totally. Just yeah. meant to be. Yeah. And uh, Andrew, you uh, you touched on it earlier, but can you touch a bit more on uh, the vault? Yes. You did for Netflix. So uh, the vault was for uh, I think Film Rise is the and now it's on it's on Netflix. Oh, okay. So I think I'm. Uh, great movie. Super. Uh, David introduced me to the director Dan, who was an outstanding, you know, again a collaborator from Signal, and uh, just an interesting experience. We shot in Atlanta, which is sort of like where they, these guys got started, and mm-hmm. it was it was a great experience. It was fun. It was uh, it was interesting because it was such an ensemble, mm-hmm. and and there were there were two. You know, there's sort of an upstairs. We always joke that it was like sort of like the horror Downton Abbey. Sort of like there was like the upstairs that was like one version of the story, and downstairs was mm. in this kind of like creepy basement. It's like a whole other version of the story, and it was it allowed us to explore all kinds of interesting stuff in from a lighting perspective, and also kind of from how how we told the story. But it was there were a lot of voices on the movie, both in the movie and about the movie. 
Um, but I think that uh, something we're we're proud of, and it's, it's cool to watch. You're always looking for like the great horror conceit, like the the movie problem that just works in a way. And uh, Vault always had this just the idea of a haunted bank. You're like, how no one, how come no one's ever done a haunted bank before? Yeah, <laughs> because then you go, you rob the bank, and then and then the bank goes on lockdown, and then you can't leave the problem. You know, because haunted house movies, the problem is always like, well, why don't they just leave? Yeah, mm-hmm. when well, you just go out the front door, why in the world are you staying here inside this movie? But the haunted bank traps you in. Mm-hmm. It's just a sweet yeah. conceit. You get to do genre blend. So, yep, that's cool. So that's Vault's a whole horror heist movie. Horror heist. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. I gotta check that out. You I should. Gotta, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely. It's on Netflix. It's like easy access. Check yeah. it out, everybody. It's on Netflix. Easy access. Come on. All right, and that brings us to the ritual. Woo! Ooh, my God, this Here film. So, <laughs> before we get into these, uh, the uh, little overview of the film itself, we actually have the trailer. I know you guys have to, like, yeah. <laughs> if you guys want to... Oh, you guys... Oh, it's it's yeah. Bad, but, yeah. but, yeah, let's go ahead and roll that real quick. When we meet up, it's actually getting harder now to have a good time. Speaking of Downton Abbey, it's yeah, Thomas. For fun. Right? Yeah, that's right. Oh. I watch it like, oh, my God. Yeah, the amazing so Robert James Collier, yep. Yeah. This is the British trailer. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. This is the British one. Is it very different what from the American trailer? It's a slightly different angle on the marketing, yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. The fucking British plays up the comedy a bit. Oh. The American trailer plays up the, the, the kind of uh, nightmare quality of it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Cool. Rob would have loved this place. Do you guys have like any overseeing of the trailers at all, or is it just kind of like, all right? <laughs> I think it, my experience on these projects is it varies from project to project, and it's usually circumstantial. But uh, with this one, I think I have more input on the uh, American trailer. Oh, okay. Never seen some of the scenery. It was filmed in Romania, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why Romania? Because uh, we couldn't film in Sweden where the film takes place because the days are short and it's very expensive. Oh. Ooh. So we needed to find uh, an affordable forest, mm-hmm. and we found a really amazing place in Romania and a really awesome uh, production services company and just a good group of people that were willing to kind of do it old-fashioned style, mm-hmm. you know. Because mm-hmm. you can go shoot a wood, you know, movie in the woods like right off the road in something that looks like the woods and if you point the camera in the right direction you can get that feel or you can go out in the middle of the Carpathians on top of a mountain and really lose your mind and that's what we got to do with this I was just going to ask how far in were you and like what was day to day in terms of like if you're that far in how did you get in and then get out and sleep and well everything had to be staged out of Bucharest for about three and a half hours would you say from Bucharest from civilization and uh, and then cast crew everybody's at like a single lodge on top of this mountain plateau mm. it's like the shining mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> yeah so it was a lodge okay i was wondering like how do you guys stay out there and was was like uh the environment like the weather was that like a, a constant problem at all was that a, like was the rain real uh it rain was it rained on days we didn't want it to rain ah uh, uh, always and the rain in the movie would create it hmm. <laughs> oh, oh how funny cool. yeah yeah, How but, long then, but then the snow was coming. The like we couldn't, oh, you know, we were behind schedule at times, and there was no way to push because winter was just like oh, we were wow. right up against it, you know. And it came early at one point. We were knocking snow, snow out of the trees for concrete. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Starting so. fires, using leaf blowers, dudes on ladders with brooms, trying to like clean up. And there's a shot in the movie when it's just like there's some kind of patchy snow that you can sort of chuck up the highlights, but. So there's some snow. <laughs> <laughs> hide it. Highlights is cinematographer talk. 
you yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very, very technical before the day is over. Yeah, we're going to dive in. You're actually our first uh, cinematographer on the oh, show. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Before That's we right. have Woo. our first uh, director, I believe, was uh, Joe Lynch, who did Mayhem. We had him come in, and that, that was a... That was a good uh, interview as well. Check that out, everybody. I haven't seen that movie yet. It's oh, dude, awesome. It's really eager to see it. Bloody. Yeah. yeah. Steven Yeun is like, oh, perfect on that. Also with uh, Samara, we- Samara Weaving. She did a fantastic job. From the job babysitter. With- mm-hmm. Yeah, from the babysitter. Oh, and the babysitter. My God. Have you guys seen the babysitter? Mm-hmm. No. It's another oh, Netflix dude. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's really fun. Um, so the film is based off the book uh, by the same name by Adam Neville. And um, so it's right here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so let's just go through the characters real quick. I call them the pack- backpacking bros. Um, <laughs> so it's Rafe Spall, uh, who plays Luke, and he's like the lead character. Um, Robert James Collier, who plays Hutch. Arshar Ali plays Phil. Sam Trotton plays Dom. Dom. And Paul Reed it plays Robert, which is our first uh, our first death. This, by the way, this is all spoiler filled, so it's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> right on. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, so how, how long was uh, filming this? Like, how long did you guys... 33 days? Yeah, 30, okay. 33 That's days, fine. which is pretty good for yeah. an indie. Like, yeah. yeah, they definitely stretched the budget, so... And was everything on site, or was there some, like, um, did you guys shoot at a lot of, at all, or...? Uh, none of it was on stage. All of it was, yeah, all of it was in the woods. Okay. Uh, mm. Yeah. Because I wanted to ask, um, and Steve, if you can bring up the picture of the uh, the woods and the store, I think you have it up already. Oh so, yeah, those shots. Yeah, are gorgeous. yeah. When it's uh, when you see like How the store happens. and also but the woods, like was that on site? Is that is so that all practical? Wow. There. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I don't know which picture you're looking um, at, but uh, I, I, it's, it's a, a little dark. dark yeah, that yeah. shot is in the woods. It's like towards yeah. the, it's wow. towards the end when the the Jotun is like chasing him and he's on the ground and he's getting flashbacks of like what's going on. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, and it kind of like it was cool how like the, uh, the store cup like pops up and it kind of like lights his way to like run towards like oh, the so light bizarre. and stuff. So that was practical. That was like you guys made that. That's wow. so cool. I was gonna yeah. say like that looks so amazing. Oh my goodness! Yeah, there was some stuff that we sh- some convenience store stuff that we shot in the forest, and then some forest looking convenience store that we actually shot in a convenience store. Oh, ah, so wow. we okay. shot the actual convenience store. We first mightied it up and mm-hmm. Addie Carolea who's a production designer did an awesome job kind of making it look like it was within the forest mm-hmm. and then we slowly cleaned it up and then shot the actual scene hmm. and when because we shot that very last convenience store was the last thing we shot um, since it's based on a book how much of it is how similar is it do you think from the source material and then for example like these kind of shots are they described like that in the book not exactly. There's not a convenience store in the book. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I, we found that um, Joe Barton, the writer, and myself uh, experimented a bunch with how to kind of process the book into a movie because there's just certain things in the book that don't really translate, sure. you know, mm-hmm. to a movie. Um, and mostly, it's just because the book often is in Luke's head, is in the protagonist's mm. head. So he's in this situation with his friends, and they're walking through the woods, and he's constantly remembering who they were as friends and what they'd been through. And so a lot of the experience of the book is you're sort of oscillating back and forth between who they once were and uh, what they used to think their lives were going to turn out as, mm-hmm. and then you know, flashing into the reality momentarily where they're being stalked by this entity in the woods. And so the experience you get reading the book is, uh, it's like the modern mixed with nature. Mm-hmm. And then in the book, the beast does cause these nightmare sort of uh, flashes. It does get in their heads in a way. And so what we did was take a modern element and combine it into that nightmare conceit in a way. And so it was a way for us to kind of get that feeling 
on screen in, mm-hmm. in a very literal way because to make the movie where they're actually in this survival situation that's constantly cutting back to them earlier in life would have been a lot a lot of backstory to mm-hmm. uphold yeah. in a movie. Yeah. It just doesn't mm-hmm. work in cinema yeah. quite the same way it does in the book. So it was a way that we kind of interpreted it to, to kind of capture the spirit of the book. But, but there's differences, but um, uh, I think for a lot of people that have read the book and seen the movie, I think it's – I'm generalizing here, but I think it's been – Regarded that it's, it's a pretty serviceable, uh, based upon you know the film is definitely trying to capture the spirit of the book in, a, in an earnest nice. way. Yeah. Oh, good. Was there an element in the book that you wish you could have had in the film that you just couldn't do it? Or? There's a black metal element in the book Ooh, okay. that is uh, specific to the region and would have required us to go in depth on a lot of subculture when we didn't have a lot of screen time, mm. uh, but would have been pretty rad, I think. And so there's a, there are two black metal guys in some of the opening scenes that kind of flash. I don't know that anybody, I don't know that you really pick them up. Uh, they actually cross behind Paul there's right before he goes into the convenience store, uh, right behind Robert. Uh, they're, they're sort of angels of death in a way, but that mm-hmm. is... Um, oh, whoa. Okay. Yeah, kind of a nod slash apology to Mr. Neville <laughs> that we couldn't work it out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Nice. Dang. I know we were talking a lot about like before uh, the ritual was re- released on Netflix. That is kind of like the male version of the descent, kind mm-hmm. of just the similarities. Obviously, you're in a forest, not in like a hole with <laughs> yeah. a bunch of blind, you know, cannibals. But was there anything, any inspirations that you want to incorporate into filming and the production of the ritual? Uh, you know, I think because this was based on the book, mm-hmm. I think. You know, when I came on board, they had been developing the book for for some time uh, into a screenplay. And so there were several drafts of the screenplay, and so they had made some discoveries. So you're that's the Imaginarium, you, yeah, the, the Imaginarium Studios, yeah, the pro- production company. And so there's this uh, sense of uh, you know you're just trying to get it right, and it's more like you put things together in a way, and you go, oh hey, this has some similarities now. If we do that to this other material over mm. here, and you know it was. I think at one point when the script was coming to a close, we were like, it does kind of echo the descent in a way now, mostly because of the way the the front end traumatic incident works. Uh, and, we, and we were like, that's great. Let's embrace it, mm-hmm. you know, in a sense. And that's a great movie. And oh, yeah, some inspiration yeah, from yeah. Awesome. in that sense. And, uh, but we looked at a bunch of stuff just where the imagery was concerned. Do you recall? Yeah. I mean, we, I think we saw everything, every movie that has a forest in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> including the forest, <laughs> including the forest. <laughs> we did forest, look at the forest yeah okay uh, funny I made the forest so I was like we, there was a lot of stuff but um, I think the um, it's funny when you're asking about re- about references I mean Dave's been with this so much longer than I have because he developed, wrote it developed it and then of course through editorial and I sort of like show up you know we prepped it of course and then you know shot it and then afterwards did some color but as we're talking about references it, it's funny like this maybe it's just the stage in life like I've seen. I feel like you've seen more than I have in general. But I feel like everyone, like as filmmakers, you have kind of like a bat. Like I remember what I'm getting at is earlier in my career, I would kind of like think, okay, what about this movie and what about this movie? And now I feel like there's just sort of like an amalgam of movies of just kind of like you know movie water that you just kind of like grab stuff out of, and it's just mm-hmm. sort of like appears, and you hope that it hasn't been too literal a steal. Mm-hmm. You know, that you're like replicating something, but it's just sort of like, it ends up being more authentic that way, and so that's when you have like source material, like a book that's rad, you can kind of click into something for a point of reference. Mm-hmm. So the stuff we looked at was super literal, like, you know, what does night look like, which was a really big thing for me. Mm-hmm. It was like, how do we capture, and, because in looking at forest, it was like, okay, let's look at forest, now let's look at forest at night, and like, 
I wasn't really that impressed with anything that I saw of mm-hmm. Night in general. Mm-hmm. Even I'm even looking at video games. Like, yeah. like does this? Am I seeing like a like a like a CG version of Night that I buy? And I was just like, eh, it always feels like you're trying to see faces. You're trying to see the different ethnicity of characters. You're trying to be able to identify characters between one, you know, from one to the next. So you have to be so up that I was like, well, let's do something different. And so that was why that. So my references were like, how dark can we make it? Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the challenges with making a movie at this point in time is that it appears on your phone, on your iPad, mm-hmm. in a theater. And so then, like, mm-hmm. you have to start creating other deliverables because you're so surfing the 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 edge of what darkness looks like. Mm-hmm. And if you suddenly you're on a Delta flight. And it's like black. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> worthless. Yeah, yeah. I always remember there the campsite scene where it's like that was really dark, but you can yeah. still see them. And if you've yeah. ever gone camping, it's dark out. Totally. So, yeah. and yeah. I, and I, to me, like I always remember growing up, like my parents wouldn't close the door, and it always scared me that my light was on and that outside was dark, and I was like, Ooh. anyone can see me right now. Yeah, yeah. That's terrifying. I was like, I had these shutters in my room, and there was a. We're going deep on some challenges. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but like I had a curtain, like a blackout curtain, and then shutters. And if I forgot to close the curtain, I was just like, anyone can see me through the shutters. <laughs> so like I, I mm-hmm. thought about that in this movie because that was why he talked of, about the shutters a lot. I did <laughs> because yeah. it comes up all the time. Because in the in the when we built these houses, we were like very yeah. specific about being able to see out, and the fact that anyone could see in is scary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. the I mean the go to in production is you you know you don't want to shoot nights the entire time you know because mm-hmm. you get you get less it's hard on the crew it's hard on everybody so the the conventional wisdom is let's black the house you build we built those mm-hmm. cabins in the woods and then you cover it in black so you can shoot night for day basically and uh, so we'd really fight for things like. Uh, our production designer had built these cracks in the house, and Andrew had all this, uh, you know, amazing, amazing like uh, lighting setup outside, and these awesome kind of uh, giant flash mechanisms for the lightning. And you can see them when you're inside the house, so you're still you're still getting the environment of the exterior when you're inside. So things like that, you know, you have to make a case to everybody that this is going to add three more <laughs> overnights onto the production schedule just so we can get that look and that feel, right. and 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 it's worth it when when it works. Nice. Yeah, definitely. It looked, I gotta say, yeah, it looked brilliant. Like the, I was watching earlier today, and um, like when he's when they finally find that cabin, and uh, it's uh, Luke who hears that hears that noise before he goes in, and he's like trying to see. Like that's always so terrifying when you see the flashlight, and like you can see that the bit of light, but everything around is just so dark, and I'm just like, oh. <laughs> when we shot that, uh, not that one, but there's another moment where he's shining his flashlight. Yeah, maybe it is that. I don't remember where it is in the edit, but we were. You know, we're on another night. No, it was after their when they have their flashlights after Hutch goes missing, mm-hmm. and they're shining their flashlights around us. So we're shooting it on you know, on a mountainside in the Carpathian Mountains, mm-hmm. and we're you know we have a flashlight and we had exposed it so we can just see the beam of the flashlight. And we're you know I'm just kind of like whipping around, just giving a ton of options, and then kind of landing, and then over here at landing. This is you in a flashlight and a camera, yeah. alone in oh, the woods, really? just doing this, getting all these like POV shots, yeah. And we were shooting in the, I don't know if you know this, but in Romania, it has the biggest bear population in Europe. Oh, my God. Um, and so we had these snipers with us just in case, <laughs> you know, like these hunters that would just yeah. kind of like hang around around the periphery. Mm-hmm. And so as I'm doing this, you know, we'd been shooting for a couple of weeks, so you're not thinking about it anymore. And then like, boom, and there's just like a guy with a gun. Like, <laughs> <sighs> they were always on the outskirts. Like, the outskirts like hiding in the darkness. Like, yeah. You, yeah. One yeah. time I went out to go to the bathroom in the woods and I'm just like, there's like a guy. You right think here. you're alone, and then it's the cigarette that gets lit. <laughs> yeah. Dude's like, two and, you're, and you're like, I'm glad you're here, man. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> That's awesome. Um, I was hoping um, this goes for both of you. Uh, if you guys can talk on how you went about setting the tone and the atmosphere of the film, because to me that I felt like that was a, like a like one of the scariest elements to the film. Um, uh, how it's like you're able to steadily intensify the atmosphere through the visual information that's given to us, and it's also the, what's withheld from us. Um, I'm not ho- I hope that makes sense. <laughs> sure. I mean, I, it's probably a little bit of everything, you know, I mean, or just like a general approach. I mean, it's a combination of, uh, uh, again, having a, a great location. I mean, that the entire mountain that we were up on, I mean, you, there were all kinds of different looks and environments and our production designer and locations people. And Andrew and I would just, we just scouted the hell out of it. And cause it's fun. You get to ride mm-hmm. around and find everything is amazing in every direction. So you're just trying to sculpt, you know, the visual language of the piece. Um, and then, uh, and then it's a question of pace, and it's a question of how we frame it, and how you light it, and 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 then I think on a story level, it's about you know the thing that you're waiting to happen, that you know is going to happen, but you don't know how it's going to happen necessarily, and so it's just um, you know working with the actors in a way that they are kind of lost in the moment, and we can uh, tightly you know tighten the screws a little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would just draft on that. I, I mean, tone is David's specialty, I think, but I think one of the cool things was that we're in this forest, and mm-hmm. one of the diversities, there were other places, other candidates to shoot this movie, other places that we considered. <clears throat> and I think one of the things that really sets the tone in a lot of ways is the kind of trees. Like, we mm-hmm. traipsed mm-hmm. all over these mountains. And what was crazy is that, I mean, I've never really thought of a forest. I hiked and camped and shot in the woods and all kinds of stuff. And there were so m- I, I don't know if it's always like this, because I've never had this, this in mind, but we were looking for specific different kinds of, tre- of trees, some that were bare, some mm-hmm. that had some branches on them, some that were stripped of their bark, some that had s- super lush foliage, some that were really dense and you couldn't see through. I mean, there were probably 15, maybe 10 different kinds of areas, so much so to the point that the very first day that we shot was actually four hours beyond where we were going just for this very unique forest that was in the caldera and like had these very shallow roots in the caldera of this of this volcano. So the trees were all really short, had this kind of like reddish, very thin uh, these thin branches and there's we shot a rad you know shot of as Luke kind of comes out and he comes into this forest he thinks at the top of the mountain he comes out into this yep. wooded area mm-hmm. and the trees look different mm-hmm. and the, the ground was like we couldn't capture this but the ground was spongy I mean you like your Ooh. foot would sink mm. into it it was this weird moss it was like you're running you know on a carpet in the thick, forest a yeah. thick carpet is that the scene where hmm. he sees a hand yes yeah. oh, oh okay. that was That's so it. good yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that was, was day cool. one for us that was day one. Oh, day one yeah. Nice. yeah but yeah we're just really striving for different looks because someone had said uh, I think one of the producers had said a wood is a wood meaning once you shoot a movie in the woods oh. it all just becomes like a, a visual mesh in a sense and you you stop seeing it as an audience hmm. which happens a lot you, filmmakers talk about it when they go to the jungle and they like the jungle is an amazing place to go but it's hard to photograph yeah. in a way and mm-hmm. so um, so yeah, we were trying to avoid that as much as possible. But, yeah. hmm. Right on. Um, anyone have? Well, can we talk about the Jatun? Is that how you say yeah. Jatun? Yeah, that's what I wanted to the talk monster. about. It. That guy, the, the, the Yotun. Yeah, the Yotun. Yotun. Oh, yes. no. yeah. If you could show that scene, oh my god. So was that? Is that actually how it's described in the book, or how was the creature developed? And what? And that was all CGI, right? 
Or was that practical as well? It's a combination of both. So Ooh. it's a little different in the book. We definitely took license in the movie. Um, but in the book, it's it's kind of the experience of reading a book is that every time you read about it, it's authored a little bit differently and mm. your imagination has to produce it. So it's always, I find that when you read a monster in a book, it's like, it's always kind of changing mm-hmm. a little bit in my mind. The way, the same way when you uh, conjure a character, their, their face may change mm-hmm. in your imagination as you go through the course of the book. And, um, but, uh, uh, so we had to literalize that. And so we were very fortunate to have Keith Thompson come on board. He's yeah. a really incredible artist. And, uh, and, and so we riffed back and forth on some different ideas and there is a, uh, a, uh, Yatnar clan in Norse mythology, uh, uh, of shape-shifting gods basically. And, uh, it really fit into our mytholo- mythology and which we had to narrow a little bit from the book. And, uh, and it kind of, we thought it gave us license to do some interesting stuff. And so a lot of what Keith does, uh, that I, that I really find compelling is, uh, you know, mixtures of human forms with animal forms in a sense, or mm-hmm. really playing with those ideas in a sense. And, um, you know, not unlike the Cronenberg stuff that you were referencing earlier, it's just, there's a part of your brain that recognizes the human body specifically in human mm-hmm. faces. And when you mess with that, and turn it upside down a little bit and you just get that uncanny unsettling sensibility and so uh when keith tossed this design by uh i was just completely blown away so we put them all up on the wall and this was the one we'd come in every day and go man i wish we could do that and then you go why can't we do that you know what are movies and let's do the crazy thing let's just go for it and but that was the birth of the design and uh, and yeah, there was a digital element, but there was also a, a giant prosthetic monster head okay. mm. that uh, mm. that uh, Josh and Sierra Russell of Russell Effects here in LA, which worked, they did the the body work for us on Southbound. Um, they uh, they built a, a full size head and shipped it to Romania, and it had a uh, very delicately, very delicately, <laughs> and it had a um, stunt performer that would fit inside of it. Whoa. So she was like on her stomach basically okay. and the head fit around her mm. and then she would wear these like giant monster mm. gloves and she mm-hmm. would play the hands and we would mm. paint out her head so her head okay. would nice. come out of what we called the cowl where the monster's eyes live yeah. it's awesome that it was a woman who was yeah. inside of it is the in the book is it a woman is it actually female is it's, the monster female as well that's why i was thinking that's kind of interesting that you ended up using because it kind of just melts together oh, yeah, that the monster is right. also female and one of the things i felt with the monster i mean i love like reading other interviews and how it was explained about the north god but that doesn't nec- like it's it's interesting because you see this like wonderful like creature and then you don't necessarily always get that kind of mythology in the film itself. Mm-hmm. So was were there times where you were like, Can we slip in this dialogue a little bit to kind of mm-hmm. like expand on like when he goes into that room and there's these worship it's like a oh, church yeah. going on, oh, you know, kind yeah. of church and everything mm-hmm. like that. So were there times where you were like trying to interweave into the script to kind of instead of you know, because you always have those moments in scary movies where it's like let me tell you everything that's happening and I can like make it not scary anymore so it was Mm -hmm. great that you left the mystery but there were times where you were like everyone needs to know this wonderful backstory to this monster how do we do that without giving it all away it's such it's always the bargain you know you're always sitting there both on the writing front and in post you're just going what is too much Mm -hmm. to say it will always be scarier if it's left unknown in a sense but we take something with us at the end of these films too there's something left for us to look deeper into and so I also think uh, comprehension is one of the hardest things to maintain when you're making a movie because you just, once you've looked at something five times, you understand it differently. Once you've looked at it 400 times or 2,000 times, 
you it becomes very mutant what you're looking at to understand is it clear or am i being too clear am i being too overt so uh yeah a lot of care went into uh, trying to figure out what was the right amount of information to supply what was a somewhat dense mythology that had to fit at the end of this movie you know that was kind of uh, uh part of the design of the whole project in a sense so how do we Again, to your point, how do you give them enough without giving them too much was, was definitely, um, that was the, the, the tightrope that we were trying to maneuver in a sense. But, uh, but I'm happy that the people that like the monster have really uh, gotten behind it. And uh, there's been a lot of art on the internet and people mm-hmm. uh, yeah, designing their own of, of the monster <laughs> and stuff. And, uh, and that's great for us, I think, because you, you do go, okay, so this, the spirit of this thing can, can live on in its own way and in other imaginative scenarios, hopefully. Also, we put so much time, you put so much time and thought into the beast, into all the kind of like, as we went through different iterations of what the design was, what we're going to be able to do physically, motion, you know, motion capturing, movement. There were so many different studies that went into that, watching giraffes running. Mm. I mean, like, there was a mm. ton of work, so it's, re, it's like, it's validating that, like, people pick up it on, they're like, oh, it's actually like, I can kind of read the depth of this, of this story, of this, of this, just this one concept. It's cool, too, because the monster belongs so much to, you know, it belongs to Adam Neville, but it also, you know, you have all these different components that bring it to life. You know, we mentioned our SFX friends that did the head, but you also, I just quickly spot, like, we had an amazing uh, VFX supervisor, Ben White, who was doing a lot of the giraffe work. (laughs) He was the one who, you know, they show up uh, a little deeper for us in production and and have to conceptualize how to do the CG renderings out in that environment, and... uh, and uh, it was it was his team of artists that really capture a lot of the nuances of its behavior in the woods. And we were able to kind of supply them with some reference material on that because the movie's produced by Andy Serkis. And his mm-hmm. production company, of course, has the resources to do awesome mocap. So in post, we, we had uh, two mocap actors uh, playing the monster. And they are connected by, they call it a foam noodle. It's basically like a pretend spine. Ooh. And so they're sitting in a room behaving as the monster running around and the, the person in the front is playing, you know, the head hands of it. And so I got to kind of direct this, uh, you know, these, <laughs> these yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. into the shots awesome. and provide, That's you know, awesome. reference material for, for the, the animators in a sense. And, and you get to, you get a little bit more intimate with, well, it looks real goofy if we do this, but what if, mm. it, what if you do it a little bit more like this and that stuff? So, yeah. That's interesting. Fun. But also there's, I mean, this is like, we could spend a whole hour just talking about this piece because it was, there's so much thought and care and time went into it. But one thing that David was really keen on was having a physical aspect on the set, which was super valuable, not only to spare us from doing some visual effect shots when we're shooting over it, but also so just we could like all wrap our heads around the space and the size and the height of the thing and where's the hand go and all that kind of stuff. And then the physics, like the mechanics of having a girl inside of this thing she has to be suspended by wires because the beast is 12 feet tall. Mm-hmm. So the hands come down to about eight feet and you're, you know, so you have to get the right angle. And, and then we had our, our stunt team basically built this kind of tray that she could sit in and she could like sit in for a length of time. So she wouldn't have to keep getting out of it. And then we were able to have her on a ladder at one point, but Josh and Sierra, who you guys should have on the show cause they're awesome and do a ton of horror. Okay. They, um, <laughs> that's our effects. Hell team. Yeah. 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 They're like yeah. must have, but anyway, um, they built this rad head foam and it was super impressive and insanely detailed. And so that was a reference. It was something we were able to shoot over, sprayed it down with, with glycerin and also make it look good, but also just to kind of orient the whole, the whole thing. And in two particular cases, we had, you know, the actresses on wires. We had the head on wires. The head is on a descender rig with her in it. This is the foam head so we can shoot over it. We had a crane 
that we're shooting with over a crane that had the helmet. I mean, it was a wow. we did some wire <laughs> yeah. work as it's moving across with, the camera. With Rafe on it. Spall in his pajamas with the Norse <laughs> battle axe yeah. underneath it. You know, and it's 4 a.m. Yeah. and it's snowing above us, and we hope it doesn't catch on, you know, and you're like, man, I hope this works. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> My God, that is it was, intense. It was involved for yeah. 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 this scale. Yeah. But yeah, you, you pulled it off and yeah. it looked fantastic. Mm, My God. The way it moved too. Like I noticed specifically today when I was watching it, like the way it, it, it ran towards him. Mm-hmm. Oh, it just looked so, it was majestic but terrifying because of how natural it looked. It didn't look clunky right. at well, all. That's the giraffes. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> it was like giraffe, kind of like moose, like dog-like. It was just, oh, it was, it was, it was a sight to behold, I gotta say. And that, that was one of my favorite aspects of the film as well. Like, I love creatures and monsters. Like, again, the thing, like, is, oh, is sure. like, the shit, like, the shit for me, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just seeing that, I was just like, oh, this is so beautiful. And also that shot of it, like, with the fire in the barn, and you have it in its full entirety, and it's holding up, like, that lady. Right. And I was just like, oh, that's so beautiful to me. Ah, I gotta say, um, unfortunately, we have to wrap now. Um, so... Um, so before we do that, um, you'll go ahead and um, tease any future projects or projects that you'd like to um, uh, bring to attention that you have going on. Uh, I mean, I, I, nothing that I, I can't really get into at the moment, um, but, it's, uh, but it's great that you, you know, referenced all the old work. Like, I just say to people, <laughs> no, thank you. I mean, if anybody wants to check out, you know, especially The Signal, I feel like that one is, oh, uh, yeah. has, has a life and is very relevant to 2018. <laughs> I got to say, In terms yeah. of media overstimulation and, you know, in the context of uh, social media gone awry, which I would say is indicative of the moment. I think it's mm. all kind of relevant. But, yeah, I throw that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. I'd say, uh, you know, the, the vault we just did was a good one. Proud mm-hmm. of it. And, uh I do a bunch of commercial stuff and uh, sort of active in the immersive space, so a bunch of VR stuff. So okay. look out for it. Right on. Thank you. And so, Andrew, you, you can be found at A. Scholkind, right, on Twitter. And David, you're on Brooke Ma- 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 Machina. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. right on. Brooke Machina. So, so follow them on Twitter, support them and everything, uh, and then catch, uh, catch their future works and also their past works. Um, that they just just stated and uh, Chauncey can you put us, start pulling us over so. oh well you can find me <laughs> on Twitter at Miss Chauncey KR and also I do uh, horror movie reviews at Bloody Breakdown on my YouTube which you can find the link to on my Twitter at Miss Chauncey KR <laughs> yes guys I'm Oliver Jen follow me on all social media platforms at Ollie Dreamer and you can always check me out on After Buzz TV for the top model after show and my name's Carrie Lane. You can find me online at Carrie D. Lane and tune in at 6 p.m. today. We have the premiere of AfterBuzz Anime Reviews. We're talking about Kakegurui, episodes 1 through 6, and yeah, it's going to be fun. And uh, you'll probably hear my voice on that show because I'm going to be uh, engineering that. But yeah, so join us for that as well. Also, I'd like to tease uh, Meet the Movie Press. It's every week. Uh, insiders uh, Simon Thompson and Jeff Snyder break down all the industry biggest news stories from the box office numbers to celebra- celebrity updates. Sometimes serious, sometimes funny, but always credible. Meet the Movie Press is the ultimate podcast for movie junkies and subscribe on iTunes and listen on demand or tune in live at 9am every Friday only on, only on the Popcorn Talk Network. See you there. And I also engineer that show. It's a lovely show. It's great. I love it. Also, we're doing a giveaway. So for the ritual book here, they actually, we had them sign it. So what you do is you go to wherever you listen to our podcast and if you watch us on YouTube, here's what you do. You leave a review of our show 
and you try to take a picture of it, screenshot it, email at us, email it at us at horrormovienewsptn at gmail.com. Again, horrormovienewsptn at gmail.com with your screenshot of the review. And you can also tweet your picture of the review and tag our show at horrornewsptn. And we will announce the winner next week. Next week. And again, my name is Anthony Becerra. You can find me everywhere at Tony B Tony underscore. And that will do it. Thank you guys so much Thank for joining us. Much. Really Thank appreciate you. everything you guys um, said. And uh, yeah, that's a wrap. Let's do it. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.